Welcome to our prophetic ministry class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session three called Visions and Interpretation. The last couple weeks, we went over a few lessons. The first one was called the prophetic church. My goal in that lesson was basically to convince you that all of us can prophesy. Now I brought distinction between the gift of prophet, the gift of prophecy, and the anointing to prophesy, which is given to all of the church because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we read about in Acts chapter two. We also talked a little bit about what the gift of prophecy is, and how it works, which moved us into session two called the prophetic gifts. And what I wanted to do there was show you that many of the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 actually dovetail into the gift of prophecy and work together. Like sometimes God will give us a word of knowledge to show us something about a person's past. That really opens the door in order for us to seek a prophetic word, which would help us to say what God is saying about the future. The past doesn't necessarily prophesy the future, but it opens a door so that we would ask God what he's saying about next steps or what he wants to do in a person's life. And so these gifts sort of dovetail together, and I think it's really important to understand that. And now what I wanna do in this session is talk a little bit more about visions, and in particularly about the interpretation of visions as well. In my Hearing God class, I talked about visions a little bit, and we've already kind of shed light on one of the ways that we prophesy is we see, not just hear, but we see. God shows us visions and pictures. But I want to give more clarity to that because if there were one reason why people miss it when they prophesy over a person, at least in my experience, it's because God will show them something like a picture or like basically a, a vision that looks more like a movie clip and they'll see something and they'll assume that they know what it means and they'll say it to that person and it will be wrong or basically their assumption and not necessarily what the Lord was saying. A picture speaks a thousand words and, and God might mean something different than what we would automatically assume that it means if we see it. And so I wanna bring some clarity to that because when we prophesy, one of our goals is to become accurate. Amen, we wanna be accurate when we prophesy. That's one of the things that I'm trying to develop in my life is, is yeah, I wanna be 100% accurate. That, that's my goal, that's all of our goal. Nobody wants to miss it. At least I haven't met anybody that says, yeah, I wanna, I wanna miss it when I prophesy over people. This is such a precious and important thing and we want it purified and we want it to become more beneficial and more powerful. And so we just have to talk about this because it is so important. Now in Acts chapter two, verse 17, We've already established this verse being at the birth of the church or the Jewish church at least, and how Peter gets up to explain what was happening when the, out, the, the Spirit was poured out on this group of people and they were prophesying and they were speaking in tongues and other people were looking at what was happening and they said, these people must be drunk. Peter gets up and explains, this is not because they're drunk, we're excited because this is a fulfillment moment, a moment of fulfillment where it's prophesied in the book of Joel chapter two that this moment would come and they're in that moment and he explains using a, a prophecy that's in Joel two. And one of the things that says in verse 17, Acts chapter two, he says that your, your sons and daughters would prophesy, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. That revelatory visionary realm that was pretty much reserved in the Old Testament for seers and prophets is now being made available to the body of Christ because the body of Christ can have the Holy Spirit. And so it's not what you have now, it's who you have. We have the Holy Spirit and he is unveiling and opening up this visionary realm, supernatural realm, the spiritual realm that we, that we know was 
is a reality and it was available to some, but now is being made available um, to all. And so we are a supernatural people. Now we are a prophetic community and we see visions, we dream dreams, and we want to understand this more and more. Visions are essentially a form of spiritual sight that is given by the Holy Spirit. And we see them all over the book of Acts, not just in the Old Testament. And so we want to look at these, especially because our goal in this class is to talk about what it looks like to prophesy, both in the church and in the world. And the more we understand visions and how to interpret visions as we prophesy over someone, the more clear, the more accurate, the more effective our prophetic ministry is going to be. The first thing I want to talk to you about in this session is we actually need God to open our eyes. Just because something is available does not mean that it's operational. And so we want God to open our spiritual eyes. Jesus would say at least five times in the Gospels, to him who has ears to hear and eyes to see. And he was saying that to people that had physical eyes, but he was talking about something more deep than that. He was talking about spiritual eyes, being able to see something beyond the natural. And he's indicating this very place that we're actually talking about today, which is visions, that there's a spiritual realm that God wants to open us up to and help us to see. And we need him to open our eyes. And there's a passage in scripture that really illustrates the fact of that there is this spiritual realm coexisting with the physical realm in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. I'm just going to read it. It says this, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, this is such a powerful story where obviously the nation of Aram is coming against the prophet. They basically want to get the prophet. They want to take him out because Elisha is able to see things that is happening. There's even one passage that talks about even in the king's bedroom. And so they want to take the prophet out because the prophet is allowing Israel and Judah to be able to hear and know the plans of their enemy. So if they take the prophet out, then they'll be able to attack Israel and overcome them without them knowing in advance that it's going to happen. And so they show up, they surround this area where Elisha is. His servant gets, you know, obviously flustered and scared and is fearful. Elisha's not fearful at all. And he basically just prays, open my servant's eyes that he would see. And his eyes are open and he sees all around these chariots of fire, angelic hosts, and obviously it's at that point an incredible amount of confidence comes into his heart. And this is the coexisting spiritual realm. We don't always see it. We're not always aware of it, but it's a reality. It is more real than what we're used to as the natural. For us, the natural, what we see, what we taste, what we touch, what we smell, that's what we know. And that's sort of a Western um, society, you know, sort of Aristotle kind of mindset, that which you can tea, or uh, that which you can see, taste, touch, smell, all of that, that's real and everything else is irrational, everything else is not real. Well, that's not true. The coexisting spiritual realm is as real as anything else that we call real. And it's important for us to understand that as prophetic people or people that are seeking to prophesy because God will show us things in that spiritual realm. He'll open our eyes and that's what we want him to do, 
so that we can see things that are far beyond the natural or things that underlie the natural, things that are the substructure of the natural, deep things. And this is what we're after is because we can't just rely on the natural or, or what we see or what we hear. There is so much more and the prophetic hears beyond and the prophetic sees beyond or into. There's insight and there's foresight. And this is so important as we look at this issue uh, of visions because a vision from God produces a pursuit of God. I've asked the Lord before, why do you give visions and pictures and riddles and, and some that are literal and some that are, need interpretation? And I don't really get an answer. Like I've shared before, one of the visions that the Lord gave me to explain this was that I saw a big hand and in that hand there were different kinds of seeds. And the hand went into this garden and just sort of put the different kinds of seeds like tomato seeds and carrot seeds and different seeds and planted the different seeds in this garden. And um, as just mo instantaneously, those seeds became whatever crop or whatever plant that they were within seconds. Don't you love visions? Because things can happen right then and there. You don't have to wait. And I saw the different plants come up and I realized that God speaks in different forms in different ways. And even pictures and visions are like that. The different things that he shows us, they produce a different kind of fruit. And the, so the Lord speaks to us different ways that require a pursuit. They require us to ask him. They require us to depend on him. And so part of that is just the relational component where we see something and we say, God, what does that mean? And the Lord will, uh, he will show us that. And so I love this visionary realm because I think it was Count Zinzendorf who said this. I believe he was one of the Moravians. He said, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's like giving us five answers at the same time. It's like giving us a multifaceted answer. And that's what pictures are like. It's just so powerful. They're so potent. They're, they're just pregnant with meaning. And I believe that uh, a picture or a vision can actually give us a greater depth than just some paragraph or sentence. And so God has his reasons for giving this to us, but we need him to open our spiritual eyes. And he certainly will do that, especially as we ask him to. The second thing I want to talk to you about is there are two different kinds of visions. So as we talk about this and we want to understand it, we want to describe and define these two different uh, paradigms for visions. And the first is what I'm just calling an internal vision. And this is most common, an internal vision. This is where the eyes of our heart are opened, uh, the experience that most would, ever, would really have. And these can be faint um, images with our eyes closed or while we're praying for somebody, the Lord will show us a picture. In fact, we look at the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2 to chapter 9, and verse 7, or chapter 7, um, it says it specifically, Daniel said, I saw a vision in my mind. And so this is a good way of describing what happens. It's that we see a vision in our mind. Sometimes I say, I saw this in my heart or the eyes of my heart. I never use the term like the, the, my third eye because that's a new age term. So I would never use that. But I say like the eyes of my heart or I saw this in my heart. I saw this in my mind. I don't say mind's eye because that, that could also be a reference to occult behavior. And so we just want to keep terminology separate. But we have internal visions. And when I pray for people, when I put my hand on them or when I just pray from a distance, I, I regularly see visions. I regularly see pictures of a person or people. This is just common and uh, happens quite frequently. I would say that that's the majority of what others experience as well. But there is a second kind of vision that we want to bring up, and that is an external vision, which is not as common. And this is where our physical eyes are open to see the spiritual realm. 
So we see the spiritual realm with our natural eyes. I've had this happen. I've talked to many people that have had this happen. This is more rare for me, but when it happens, it is explicitly clear. There's no like question whatsoever um, that might require some interpretation. It might be metaphoric. I'm not saying that it's literal all the time, but when it happens, I am absolutely certain of what I'm seeing. I've had times where I've been in my, in my uh, bedroom or in my living room. In fact, every house that I've lived in, I've had a supernatural experience in this, every living room of every house that I've lived in where I've had my physical eyes opened into the spiritual realm. And uh, it's a high level experience. It's not a small thing when it happens. In fact, when you read about it in the Bible, a lot of people were scared when it happened. They had fear come upon them and they heard the voice of the Lord say, fear not, which God says to people in the Bible many times. And so I think it's really important that we clarify the difference between seeing with the eyes of our heart and seeing into the spiritual realm with our physical eyes. Now, both of these can be either literal or they can be metaphoric. It's very important to realize that because um, it doesn't matter if it's an internal vision or an external vision, it can be either symbolic or it can be literal. And so these are the two different kinds of visions just by definition. But there is also, the third component is we, there's a need for interpretation. Roughly half of the dreams and visions in the Bible were symbolic and needed interpretation. This is where I'm sort of bridging the gap from vision to dream. Dreams are when you're sleeping, visions when you're awake. Sometimes there can be a vision of the night, but that usually is also just another name for a dream. Daniel says, I had a vision in the night or I had a vision on my bed. And it's hard to kind of determine or really decipher which one he's talking about, but it really isn't about semantics here. It's just about usually dreams or when you're sleeping, you have a dream and a vision is when you're awake. And uh, any other exception to that basically isn't, isn't enough to provide its own category. But it's important to see that um, a lot of what half actually in of visions and dreams in the Bible required interpretation because they were symbolic or had metaphor in them. And I think most people make the most mistakes in prophesying basically through style. They have their own style. They have their own way of saying things. And uh, they have, we have to learn to adapt to people that we're talking to, but also interpretation. So they misunderstand what is being uh, shown to them and therefore they miss. Uh, say it to the person that they're ministering to. But we know that interpretation belongs to the Lord. This is what basically Joseph says to Pharaoh as he comes before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to him that he had a dream and nobody can interpret, interpret it. And he's requiring Joseph to interpret it. And the first thing Joseph says, I think it's Genesis 37. I don't quite remember, but he says, interpretation belongs to the Lord. It is not in me. And that's the truth. Interpretation is not a skill that we learn. There's certain skills that we can learn to understand things better, but it's not necessarily just a skill. It's learning to ask God what something means. And I think the more we do that, the more God will help us and clarify with us because a vision can bring about a pursuit of God. And this is what we're actually after. But symbolic language is all over the Bible. Don't ask me why, it just is. It's something that God does. And I wanna give you some steps to learn how to interpret the things that you see. And this is, I think, really, really important as somebody who prophesies, and especially if you're gonna learn how to prophesy, this part of the conversation you have to get. And the first point I wanna make as we look at interpretation is 
is when you see something, is the image found in the Bible? And if so, what does it mean in the Bible? Like, for example, when you look at the term, if you saw a house and you were praying for somebody, you just saw a picture of a house, you could assume that that could mean family. You could assume that it just means a literal house. But in the Bible, a house represents a nation, like the house of Israel. A house can represent a church. You see that like in Ephesians 2, like God is building his house and he's talking about the church. It could represent a family. It could also represent your life. Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 7, you know, somebody that hears his words and puts it into practice is, is like a builder who, who dug down deep and built his house on the rock. It's, it's really a metaphor for building your life. You know, all that you're ever going to do and become, it's, it's that you are building your life on the rock. So house represents your life. You are like a house. And then the word temple, you know, could be a synonymous term. We see that in 1 Corinthians where we are the temple of the Lord, once again, the church. And so when you see a house, if you're prophesying and you, you begin to see this vision, you can't just assume. What you have to do is, is begin to think, is this image anywhere in the Bible? And if so, that helps to give you somewhat of an outline for what God might be saying to you. Now, because you know that it could mean four different things, you want to write there, ask God, what are you saying to me? That's all you got to do. Lord, what does this mean? Instead of just beginning to speak, we step back and we ask him the question. Here's another one in the Bible. Like again, I told you there's a lot of symbolic things in scripture. Another one is the, like a rock. A rock. If you were to uh, pray for somebody and you were to see a rock or a large boulder of some kind, in the Bible it can represent God. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the rock of ages. It could represent Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. Um, it could represent Abraham, the rock from which we were hewn, which talks about faith. Um, it could represent a form of judgment like the stumbling stone right, that the builders rejected. It could represent a form of judgment in a sense. And there's other things actually that a rock could represent. Just, just a couple more. There's water in the Bible can represent the Holy Spirit. Water can also represent the Bible washed with the water of the word, Ephesians chapter five. It can also represent the ministry of the Holy Spirit, John 7, 37, right? out, of your, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Speaks of the ministry of the flow of the Spirit. And you see, like, maybe you see a lion, a picture of a lion. I've prayed for people and I've seen lions before. A lion can represent the devil, right? First Peter, I think it's chapter 5, that the devil is basically prowling around. He's, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. A lion can also represent the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus Christ. Uh, a lion can represent strength. We know that too, because when a lion's depicted in scripture, it's depicted as an authoritative, like king of the jungle, a strength. You know, it's spoken of in that way, like in the, in the coming age, the lion will lie down with the lamb, like strength and meekness. You know, they'll lie down together, like there will be no overpowering. God will be God of all, and some things will not be as they were. And so if the image uh, you're seeing is found in the Bible, you first, I think you just want to know the Bible really well. You want to know the Bible inside and out. And the more you know scripture, I believe the better prophetic minister that you're going to be because God honors his word. He speaks in his word. He speaks with his word. And I believe that a lot of the metaphor and symbolic nature, visionary realm, a lot of that God uses scripture for. And I've prophesied over so many people and I've had God use a lot of these metaphors uh, in the same symbolism of, symbolism of scripture. And it, is, it helps us to be effective prophetic ministers. So the first thing in interpretation is we wanna ask, is the image found in the Bible? And then what does it mean there? 
And then if it has multiple meanings, we say, Lord, what are you trying to say through this? The second thing we want to do in interpretation is ask God to help us understand what it means, which is similar to what I just said. We don't want to assume what it means. We want to take a few seconds, step back, ask God to reveal the meaning. Interpretation belongs to the Lord, and if we don't get it, we need to ask. And it's just an extra five seconds. And I think a lot of people would be so much more effective prophetically if they would just be more patient. And can I say that to you right now? I want to tell you that when you're prophesying over people, sometimes in Pentecostal environments, what will happen is people will get so hyped up and they will like they'll basically like yell. The decibel level will rise and they're yelling and they're hyped up and the testosterone or whatever is flowing. And, you know, and what happens is, is that it causes like the, uh, this fast paced, um, prophetic words to come out and a lot of things get missed or said improperly or wrongly. And nobody's really, if you're seeing a vision, you just state the vision. You don't actually ask God for an interpretation. I think we want to learn how to back up. If prophetic words are meant to be powerful and penetrative, and we want people to hear us, we want people to remember what we're saying, if they're really that big of a deal, and they're not just like a sugar pill, or they're not just like a slap on the back encouragement, then we want to, we want to be patient in our prophetic ministry. We want to learn how to speak with authority and power and penetration and clarity and accuracy, which means we have to learn how to, how to work with the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to Him, asking Him, what does this mean? I don't fully understand this. And He will show us things, but we've got to ask, okay? So that's the second thing that I'm telling you to do. The third thing is consider the simplest meaning of what you see. And what I mean by this is a lot of people, when it comes to interpretation, whether it's dreams or visions, it's almost like they convey God trying to invite us into putting together some cosmic puzzle, like being ambiguous is spiritual or being like uh, kind of super spiritual is normal. You know, clarity is a gift. And I think the more clear we can be, the better. I think Jesus was clear. I mean, he really was. When he ministers prophetically to people, he pretty much states things clear for the record. And if we want to reclaim biblical prophecy, because what we really want is we want biblical results, we've got to go back to that kind of clarity that we see in the Lord Jesus. I mean, when he's talking to the woman at the well, he basically says to her, go get your husband. She says, I'm not married. He goes, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with right now is not your husband. And she goes, sir, you must be a prophet. He's like, and more than a prophet. I mean, we want that kind of clarity, but to get to that kind of clarity, we've got to value clarity and we've got to move beyond like this, trying to put these puzzle pieces together and sound spiritual and, and, and I don't value ignorance at all. I don't value ambiguity. There are some times we, we aren't getting past ambiguity. Things are mysterious. I get that, but we shouldn't make that the norm. That shouldn't be norm for prophetic ministry. One of the things I hear these days, especially as I'm pursuing it, is you have clarity. And I want people that I disciple to have clarity as well. Lord, help, help me understand this. And so consider the simplest meaning. If you're doing dream interpretation or you're interpreting the visions that God is giving you, trust me, He is not trying to leave it in the hands of your own intellect. He's not trying to get you to figure it out. 
He's not giving us something spiritually complicated so that we can kind of strive and struggle and, and practice numerology and all that kind of stuff. That is just not the case. And I find that in a lot of those environments, people really do not have a sense of what is even next in their life. It's almost like in the name of prophecy, they become blind. And I don't think that's what prophecy is for. I think prophecy is to speak from God's heart, from God's mind, His present and future priorities in order that we might obey Him. And I want to obey Him in clarity. I'm, I'm responsible and accountable for the clarity of His Word. And I tell people when things are ambiguous, it's meant to be that way. So if you get an ambiguous word from God, you're not really that accountable to act on what you don't understand. And so we have to ask God for clarity, but I think part of that is considering the simplest meaning of what these things might be. And so if you get a picture and the picture seems like it has many facets to it, um, colors, numbers, complications, reduce the picture to a theme. What's the theme of the picture? What's the point of the picture? If you could bring it down to one thing, what do you believe God is trying to convey? And I think you'll find that prophetic, the power of that prophetic word is in the simplest theme that can be discovered. The fourth and final thing that I want to say to you about interpretation is we need to ask God for, uh, to speak further if we don't understand. So if we ask Him to give us the interpretation and, he, and we don't get anything and we're just sort of stuck, I think what we need to do is press in a little more and just say, Lord, can you show me this from a different angle? And I think the Lord will honor that. I mean, just kind of a funny story. I remember when I was teaching my oldest son how to do a budget because he needed to save his money, he was gonna buy a car. And so obviously, as a young person goes, they, they don't really know how to save their money. They don't really know how to budget. Um, and they just think money's gonna be there at the end of the month, end of the week, and obviously it's not. And so what I did was I set myself to teach him the simplest form of budgeting that I possibly could with where he was at at 16. And so I basically know in my mind, I have to bring a visual. I can't just tell him information. I have to bring a visual, a vision, come on. I have to bring him a vision or a visual in order for him to understand. So I took out a piece of paper and I wrote out income, expenses, savings, here's kind of the trajectory. I basically did this big picture. And as I'm doing this and I'm explaining it to him, I'm looking at him, he's looking at this, I'm looking at him, he's looking at this. At the end of it all, when I'm finished, I look at him and I go, does this make sense to you? And he doesn't say anything. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. But I could read his face without having to be prophetic. He did not get what I was doing. And so I look at him for about another three seconds and I make a quick decision, okay, I'm gonna scrap this and I'm gonna do it over. So I throw that piece of paper away and I start redoing it in an even more simple way. Now listen, I'm a good father, but God is a great father. He's a good, good father. And here's the deal. If I'm willing to scrap what I'm saying and start over, it might sound odd to you because some people have that mentality like we're just messengers, we're just a pipe that God is flushing through, and so whatever he says we're supposed to convey. Yeah, that happens, but when it comes to visions, it's quite a bit different. You know, we're not just conveying the picture. We're also, there's, an, there's 50% of the visions and dreams in the Bible were symbolic and required interpretation. This is the part where we get this wrong a lot. So if that's the case, we should ask God, Lord, could you speak it to me in a way 
that I can understand again or more clearly. He knows what we get and what we don't get. And I don't mean to be offensive, but sometimes God factors in our stupidity into the equation. And so I step into that and I'll just say, next, can you show me something a little more clear? And I think the more patient we are as we're prophesying over someone or as we're ministering to a person and we don't get the vision that, that the Lord is showing us and we just ask, we say, Father, will you show me something that will be more clear. I just, I'm not getting this. And the father is like, sure. He's not angry at us. He's not mad at us. The fact that we're asking for someone else is, he gets him excited. That's his heart. When we say, would you give me something even more clear for me? Not because you're not clear, but I'm not getting it. And so just like I would scratch one thing and redo it for my son, God does that with me. He's done that with me many times. I've said this before. People get offended by it. That's okay. I think God's a good father and he factors in uh, our lack of understanding sometimes. But this is important in interpretation. Ask God to speak further if you don't understand. And I just believe that he will. Some people will ask for confirmation. Other people will ask for a different vision or a clear picture or a word or a thought. Just ask him for more clarity. He'll give it to you. The fourth thing that I want to do in talking about visions and interpretations is a little bit more personal. And I'm only doing this because I had a person prophesy over me one time. This was quite a while ago. And he said to me that just like Ananias in Acts chapter 9 had been given a vision of a man named Saul at the time who became Paul, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a vision about where to go and lay hands on, on Paul, a man said to me one time, a long time ago, didn't know me, he said, you're going to go and you're going to lay hands on people that are going to become like an Ananias. And they're going to have a vision of the Lord. And basically, they're going to release people into their ministry. That's something that I was going to do. It's an impartational thing. And I've actually seen that happen, you know, time and time again. And so as I'm doing this class, I'm very mindful that in some ways it can feel like we're just developing a skill. But what we really need is we need God to open our eyes. We need to understand things, the different kinds of visions. We also want to understand there's an interpret interpretive element to this that we want to grow in. And we also need impartation. And so I just want to read this scripture to you. And I want to step into that and pray for you at the end of this lesson, because I believe that God will begin to open our eyes. I've seen him do it many, many times. And if you'll receive it as I pray, I just believe God will do something like that. So open your heart to this as I read this passage. This is what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 16. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind up all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Here's this guy named Ananias that's only heard of one time in the entire Bible, and that's in this passage. God speaks to him in a vision to go pray for Paul, and God will do great things with this man named Paul. He's not an apostle, or Paul becomes an apostle, but Ananias is not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's just a guy that hears God or sees a vision, hears the voice of God, and goes and prays for a man named Paul who becomes arguably the greatest apostle 
that we have ever seen. What I hear the Lord, what I heard the Lord say to me through a prophetic word was that I was going to pray for people and release Ananiases who were going to then in turn begin to see and in their seeing and in their receiving of visions would get direction and directives to go and lay hands on people, to release them into apostolic callings and prophetic callings, evangelistic callings. And so to the degree you're open to that, I want to pray for you that God would open your eyes, that God would use you to go lay hands on people and release them into their calling. And so this is what I want to do in order to close our class. So this is, I'm praying for you and just open your heart to this as I do. Father, I just thank you right now for every person, every student in this class, the prophetic ministry class. And God, we just admit we need to understand this realm of visions and dreams, um, interpretation even better. And we're just scratching the surface in this session. And so, Lord, I just ask right now that from that prophetic word that you gave me many years ago, that you would bring impartation, even through the internet, even through this video, that you would impart that visionary realm. I pray, God, open the eyes of those right now that are watching this video, cause them to see into the spiritual realm, cause them to see and, and receive prophetic words through visions. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to interpret like Daniel's, like Joseph's. I pray that you would release an anointing upon them, Lord, that where they didn't understand, now they would begin to understand because of your supernatural enablement. So Lord, thank you right now that you would lay hands on every person watching this and that they would begin to see visions, they would begin to dream dreams, and they would understand them. Release them, Lord, to go and lay hands on people, and that that would in turn release those people into their callings, and we would see a ripple effect from this ministry that you have given to us. We step into Acts chapter 2, verse 17, that the young will see visions, the old will dream dreams, and we shall prophesy. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and your anointing. Help us to steward this grace in a way that brings your name glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session.